0: Captain
1: Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you,
0: thank you, love you. Muah. Most illogical. I Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. Welcome ladies, Jem'Hadar bears chicken and things to episode 16 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman.
1: And I am Steve. We are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And Jarman, what are those?
0: The Muppets and Star Trek. And we Bam. do one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series.
1: And this week we have special Muppet Show guest Twiggy and the original series episode, The Galileo Seven.
0: What a great name. And we got some feedback this week from, uh, email of all places. Go figure that ancient archaic wow. way of talking to people. <laughs> we would love to have your emails, <laughs> by the way, Muppet Trek at a play on nerds.com. Uh, so it's from Paul, Wright, A longtime listener of the, the network. Oh yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, I know Steve is a Muppets fan, so I guess you will already know about this. What does he think about the return of frackle rock? Uh, will he be showing Joyce, a uh, Steve's daughter, any of the new show? And has he been watching any of the original or other Muppet based shows? Uh, so what about that, Steve?
1: Um, so I loved it. I thought it was really great. And it, it's a very clever way to do Muppet stuff right now, especially in the, the like work from home.
0: How are they bringing it back?
1: Uh, it's all like basically it was the, (laughs) it was the fraggles using these magic stones to talk to each other from far away since they couldn't be with each other. That's so cool. So it's very timely because of that. It's just all these one shots of just one fraggle. None of them are actually in frame together. Mm. So because of this, they can send green screen equipment home to these performers and have them do a quick and easy setup. That's perfect to record these things. Uh, and Sesame street is doing some of the same thing. Uh, but it's a very smart way to keep it going while we're in this current, you know, setting.
0: Right. Isolation. <laughs> uh,
1: Joyce has not seen it yet, uh, though. She is very well aware well of the Fraggles. She, her One of her favorite books is No One, know Where, no one Knows Where Gobo Goes. Uh, and just the other day when we said she could pick a movie she picked, uh, I've got, a, it's like an hour-long thing of Fraggle Rock music.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's adorable.
1: And the, like, sketches that go with it. So she, we watch that and sing along. It's real fun.
0: Has she been watching other Muppet based shows? He asked. Uh
1: no. She hasn't really given dinosaurs a try. Um she always says she wants to watch the Muppets, but she's always bored by it.
0: <laughs> understand. The one from the 70s, yeah, I'd understand. Maybe Muppet yeah. Babies, try that out. Uh,
1: but even when she liked the Muppets, like the movies, even that was like a year ago now. She's kind of fallen out of love.
0: But Aww. Kermit,
1: Kermy, her Kermit, is still one of her all time favorite stuffed animals. Well, that's good at least yeah we're keeping that real at least you know what she's really been digging recently the dark crystal series
0: oh that seems so dark and scary she's too young
1: uh, joyce joyce loves kind of dark scary stuff her one of her favorite movies is Coraline.
0: oh I, I don't even yeah. like watching Coraline.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs>
0: good for her though um,
1: yeah yeah. so because that's right up her alley
0: well very so cool thank you paul
1: yeah and paul we very hope you're staying safe
0: during these crazy times as well
1: I'm excited for anything new for Muppets, Fraggle Rock, or anything, and I I think the Fraggle Rock thing will be good.
0: Who is this Twiggy person that we'll be talking about later?
1: So Twiggy, mostly known as a fashion model and uh, a face that was everywhere from about 66 to 70, Uh, but really modeling only made up a small part of her career. After retiring from Miley in 1970, she took to the screen starring in the movie The Boyfriend, and she won two Golden Globes for it. She's been on Broadway and The West End, and uh, the year that she was on this show was the same year that she really started pushing herself as a singer mm. and she signed with Mercury records. I but see. What does our generation know her from? Um, honestly, besides the fact that she's kind of part of the cultural zeitgeist, uh, she was a judge on cycle five through nine of America's next top model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 2019, she was awarded the Dame commander of the order of the British empire. Oh, for her contributions to fashion, which is a, a like honorary knighthood. So, but it puts her in league with like Dame Judy Dench,
0: right? Right. And
1: Dame Helen Mirren,
0: Dame <laughs> Twiggy <laughs> or whatever her real name happens to be.
1: Uh, so she's kind of part of the cultural awareness though. I would right. Say. But this episode is a doozy. The opening number is dance. It's a chroma key nightmare mouth pink boa thing and a bunch of other disco boas. That's what I thought. It's like an acid trip, man. Uh, We get our first taste of the backstage plot where Scooter tells Kermit that there is a phantom of the Muppet show. Uh, He's brushed off telling him that he's over imaginative until an actor runs out of the dressing room screaming about there being a phantom. Next, we have Twiggy doing a press conference, which then turns into her singing In My Life by the Beatles. She is a lovely singer, but it isn't very Muppety, and it feels like they could have done a lot more than just a picture
0: collage. Yeah, we'll discuss that later.
1: Yeah. Uh, Backstage again, people arguing about the existence of the Phantom as they're getting hysterical. Kermit tries to get everyone back to work when we get our first sighting of the Phantom. Next, we have our weekly introduction by Sam the Eagle for Wayne and Wanda singing Let It Snow. They get into the numbers and are deluged by snow, which drowns them out as usual. Afterwards, we have Twiggy join Gonzo and Muppy in bed. They want a bedtime story, so she just conveniently knows A.A. Milne's The King's Breakfast. Uh, we then get to see the story played out where the king needs butter, so they go to the dairymaid who goes to the cow who sends her back with a message. It involves marmalade. It's, it's a little bit weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, it involves marmalade.
1: Uh, she, she then takes in the butter, which he uses to slide down a banister, and that's why the king wanted it, which is a weird, you know, subvertive expectation ending. It's interesting. Uh, we then find ourselves at the dance where Statler and Waldorf are dancing together again, and uh, the best joke is Kermit being tossed around the room by his partner.
0: Arguable. I'll tell you the best joke later.
1: <laughs> After this, Rolf plays Minuet and G on piano with a few mistakes along the way. It's cute, but it's a bit slow. Following this, we get uh, Vendaface, a venda mach- vending machine, which Fuzzy puts money into for, like, therapy. It tells him that he is too trusting <laughs> and it, uh, too generous, and it fails to give it. And then he tries to assault the machine, and it chokes him out. <laughs> uh, backstage again, the Phantom is being discussed when Hilda screams, well, it's just Gonzo in hiding, hiding from the Phantom. But, oh, there's the Phantom suddenly next to Kermit. Kermit ends up running away, screaming himself. Next, we have the Muppet News Flash, where a woman ate a tractor because of her iron deficiency, and then it ends with her eating the microphone.
0: (laughs) It was Twiggy, yeah.
1: Twiggy. Backstage one last time, Kermit once again confronts the Phantom. He reveals that his name is Uncle Deadly, and he was a classic performer who was, like, booed off the stage and refused to leave, and now, like, haunts everybody with doom and gloom. Kermit runs into the gang, and it seems like it's going to be like a Scooby-Doo kind of moment where they're like, it was just George the Janitor disguised the whole time. (laughs) But then they show the phantom in the background. Oh, he's still real. (laughs) Yeah. Finally, Twiggy and a yokel sit on a fence singing a country song, Ain't Nobody's Business But My Own. They're joined by the Go-Go-La-La Jubilee Jug Band on the chorus, and it's a nice up-tempo song to end end the show on. Kermit closes out the show thanking his guest star Uncle Deadly comes out and takes the curtain. Uh, He corrects that he meant Twiggy who comes out uh, and it's kind of a lackluster ending. (laughs) That's the Muppet show folks. Um, So this episode's music was kind of interesting though. Uh, Dance was a hit from 76 written by a guy named Paul Drabara. This is the same guy who wrote it's raining men.
0: Huh? I wouldn't have thought a guy wrote that (laughs) Uh,
1: in my life. Famous Beatles song, but how famous it was number 23 in Rolling Stones top 500 greatest songs of all time and the number five spot in the 100 Greatest Beatles songs. Mm. Minuet in G is by Beethoven, originally written for an orchestra. The music for the orchestra was lost after his death, so the uh, piano arrangement is the only thing that survived. Ah. So it's the only thing people know, but it was written for an orchestra. Uh, Ain't Nobody's Business But My Own, written by a game, Irving Taylor, who was a kind of satirical songwriter from the mid-30s to late 50s. He also wrote Pachalofica, which was featured – uh, uh, which was featured in another episode that we reviewed and was made famous by a guy named Soupy Sales
0: that was the one that was like offensive Turkish thing or something
1: yeah
0: it was pretty offensive <laughs> uh,
1: he was a singer and showman uh, Soupy Sales uh, who has his own children's show and on New Year's Day in 1965 he was really pissed off he had to be working New Year's Day so on a, his live show he told kids to basically sneak into their parents room and steal money and mail it to him oh gosh a few days later, money started flowing in in the thousands of dollars range. He had to do a public apology and say that he was going to give all the money to charity, but he still got suspended for two weeks.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> so that was just a fun little story. Uh, so <laughs> so, so Jarvin, what, what, what did you think of this episode of The Muppet Show with Twiggy?
0: Um, I thought it was another um, fun episode kind of in the middle of the road uh, because I think Twiggy, it's always that makes or breaks it as the host, and she Dealt very well with the Muppets. I think she was very yeah, comfortable. I can agree with that. Um, I didn't know she sang at all. So when she started singing and she was pretty decent, I was like, okay, cool. This is all right. Um, I think that's the response everyone had. And that's
1: yeah. how her career happened. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, she's been in front of the camera. Oh, she can kind of sing. All right, I could do this.
0: Yeah, this is enjoyable. Yeah, and it's, that's all right. It's good to have somebody who's multi-talented as a host for this show. We've kind of found that out. Like if they can fit into a lot of, of masks, then that's a good thing to do for this show. Yeah. Um, the bedtime story thing was cute. I like that they went on and acted it out. There's some cool looking puppets for the king and queen. I haven't seen those before.
1: Uh, those were actually classic Muppet puppets that oh. were used in a couple specials, including Hey Cinderella, gotcha. which was an early Muppet television special.
0: Yeah, those are pretty cool. They're very large. And interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'll, we were talking about the, the at the dance segment. The best joke was uh, with Sam the Eagle saying what's worse if something's illegal or what's the difference between something illegal and immoral? And Mm -hmm. he says, you know, that she says, he says, immoral things are bad and I'm ill. I'm an illegal. (laughs) I can't remember how he phrased it, but it was, it made me chuckle. But it was that he
1: was a sick eagle.
0: (laughs) Right. So he's ill eagle. It was, it was fantastic pun. Oh man. So Um, memorable. And I really enjoyed this, the simple thing of Ralph playing the piano because he was just like playing really well, but he messed up and he made some little noises here and there. So it was very subtle, but I actually really enjoyed it. It was just kind of like a, little human moment, you know, dog moment for him.
1: So German, I'm going to put you on the spot for a new question. I'm going to ask. All every right. Week. Cause you actually came up with a, this sort of by accident a few times ago. What was your, what who do you think is your favorite Muppeteering?
0: My favorite Muppeteering, um, this week,
1: maybe not even your favorite number or anything, just the best performance.
0: I mean, I have to always give it, I comment almost every time I watch one of the people playing the piano and matching almost what it should sound okay. like uh with dr teeth or if it's ralph it always impresses me the most because i'm like they okay, look like was so actually playing those pianos
1: ralph's <laughs> R- minuet and g then yeah that'd oh, probably be okay. it okay all right all right
0: and if it was before, uh, anything besides that'd be the king the ping puppet was pretty impressive
1: i've got to give it to the the mouthy fever dream at oh, the yeah. beginning <laughs> even though it was a weird number it was still a cool effect
0: and there was a lot of marionettes too, like um yeah. on sticks. I guess you call that marionette with the sticks that come yeah, I come guess. around. Or
1: rod puppet. rod
0: puppets, there you go. Yeah. Um, and I I I had to ask about well, there's also no talk spot this week,
1: which I thought was Yeah, strange. no talk spot. Um, uh there's also no panel discussion. There was no veterinarians hospital, there was no
0: um Muppet Labs. But beyond that, I thought Talk Spot was like something they had every episode. But yeah. like no this matter is, what. This is probably one of the more rare ones. That's strange. And something i want to ask you was uh, uh, is this phantom character now a regular character
1: uncle deadly so to be so we are doing this because the show first aired in syndication mm-hmm. we are doing this in the order aired in britain which is the order it would release publicly technically uncle deadly showed up in the vincent price episode which we'll review later in this but in oh. the production order it was actually earlier so technically he was introduced in the vincent price episode I see. But depending on what order you're watching it in, this is his
0: first appearance. Well, I'm very excited about the Vincent Price episode just because it's Vincent Price. So that'll oh, yeah. be fun.
1: <laughs> but Uncle Deadly is a really great character and one that I'm happy to see came back in, in the Jason Segel Muppets movie. Oh,
0: yeah, part. that's right. And who voices him? Because he sounds really cool. He sounds like a professional voice no actor.
1: Idea. Maybe Bill Beretta. I don't know.
0: Yeah, he sounds like a professional voice I'm tired, actor of man. some sort. <laughs> just supposed to know these things, man. This is your thing. Uncle
1: Deadly Muppet performer.
0: (laughs) Hey, let me Google that for you.
1: Uh, At the time, it would have been Jerry Nelson.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. I can appreciate that. So, I basically, the whole episode overall, I thought was entertaining. I, the only, yeah, the only part I really didn't like, like, actively didn't like was the first weird, trippy number uh that was it everything else was fun i i was surprised seeing her sing like a country song at the end that was enjoyable yeah that was
1: a bit strange
0: i liked it so yeah i'm not i'm not upset about this episode what about you
1: uh i don't know bottom like maybe two
0: or three i like how you're actually rating a lot of these episodes harder than i
1: (laughs) well my, my big issues are in my life was i mentioned this in the summary it was kind of a throwaway yes that could have been any show
0: that's true it was kind of and like so it just dark, felt
1: really dumb, really dumb. The King thing felt weird and out of place though. It was cute, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there was enough stuff to keep me in. I could appreciate that. Especially missing the staples like Veterinarian hospital or Muppet labs or,
0: and the, you know. yeah the talk show and the talk spot, like it just, yeah. yeah.
1: So I think maybe for that reason, it feels a bit empty to me.
0: And out of place is a good word. Yeah. Or a good phrase for it.
1: The only thing that could make it worse is if there was a talking houses.
0: <laughs> those are always the worst that's the only thing they could make it and worse. if florence henderson and gary Busey just popped in there at some point
1: <laughs> hi
0: <laughs> i'm on the muppet show this is great
1: get that chef out here and make me some eggs
0: <laughs> i'm already a muppet <laughs> anyway i
1: can feel my arms put rods on me
0: <laughs> that's a throwback folks <laughs> if you've been listening to the show this whole time
1: And if not, it's just a real good, fun, Gary Busey impression. Yeah, Just good, clean, family fun here on a planet.
0: Everyone needs that in their lives. All right. So uh, I guess we'll move on (laughs) to the Star Trek episode then.
1: Yeah. Which episode did we do?
0: We did uh, the Galileo seven, which is a very popular episode as well. A lot of these first season episodes, middle to later, very popular and famous. Um, So here we have the enterprise on route to deliver medical supplies to a federation colony who is in need. Uh, but the ship passes by a quasar like formation along the way and is standing orders for the Enterprise to explore. They have to go by and study it first before they go on to do anything else. Of so, they do. of course. So, Kirk sends Spock, Bones, Scotty, and a yeoman and three other specialists to go check it out in a shuttlecraft called the Galileo. But the anomaly pulls them off course and they go hurtling towards the nearest planet called Taurus 2. Now, two of the specialists go out to scout the area after the shuttlecraft crash lands and they are soon attacked by giant hairy monsters that throw spears at them uh killing one of the specialists and uh the other scares them off with his phaser as he gets back to the ship uh they thought the creatures would be scared away but instead the monsters are planning to amass and attack them again so the majority of the crew wants to kill the creatures but spock convinces them to just scare them off with phasers again but this does not go well, and the another specialist is killed in the process. After trying to watch out for them, he gets killed as well. So now the whole crew are basically harassing Spock and doubting his leadership ability since he was in charge of the mission, and he's only relying on logic to get things done, which pitches them off and makes them racist against Vulcans because he's not using his emotions to make decisions. Uh, so back in the Enterprise, we have Kirk searching for the missing shuttle, but it's proving difficult because of the interference from the quasar anomaly that they had fallen into. So meanwhile, there's this really terrible dick of a commissioner on board pressuring Kirk to hurry him up to get him to the, to the Enterprise to complete their mission to get supplies to the Federation colony. And he's really annoying Kirk and saying he has this many hours until he absolutely has to go and he'll take charge of the ship if he doesn't. So Kirk tells him he still has time. So uh, he sends down two search parties on foot and another shuttlecraft to go looking for Spock and the gang. But uh, one of the landing parties gets attacked by the monsters. They lose two more men. And the other sh- other shuttlecraft can't find anything. So the commissioner forces Kirk to leave now uh, as they are out of time. They have to get on the mission. So meanwhile, back at the Galileo, the monsters are starting to attack the shuttlecraft directly with giant boulders, um, start banging on it. And the crewmates uh, continue to attack Spock for not getting them out of this, saying he's you know making terrible decisions and Spock can't understand. He's using logic. Why isn't it working? Why are people dying? um scotty comes with widow to get the crash shuttle craft out of there by using the phaser powers um, and putting them into the ship uh in the meantime one of the specialists who's been particularly uh mean to spock the whole time uh boma he wants to have a burial for the second of their fallen comrades uh spock thinks this is dumb and dangerous but finally lets him do it anyways uh the burial is of course attacked by monsters as predicted And Spock is pinned by a rock and tells them to get out of there while they can, uh, but they instead take the time to free him and get on the shuttlecraft. Um, They're finally able to take off, but once they get up into orbit, they are going to slowly come crashing down to the planet because they don't have enough fuel uh, to last very long. So they're hoping that, you know, they can just get word out to the Enterprise. So Spock decides to dump the remainder of the fuel from the shuttlecraft, producing a giant flare, and Sulu sees the flare and the Enterprise is able to turn around just in time to get them before the shuttlecraft blows up. And then they on, they're on they all on the bridge again, and they all get one last laugh at Spock for being non-emotional. And uh, they think he's his act of desperation and emotion at the end there was uh, human emotion, but it wasn't. It was him being his logical. First purely human moment. Oh, of course. And oh, <laughs> we all have a laugh at Spock. So that is the episode, <laughs> a good time for all. Uh, so this is from a little trivia from this episode. This is the first Star Trek episode to focus around Spock rather than Kirk as the main character for the in the A story, which is pretty cool. And this episode was partly drawn from Spock's breakout popularity that had happened early in the show's run because he was getting sometimes more popular than Kirk, which pissed off William Shatner quite a bit. I'm oh, sure. Even though they stayed good friends. Um, after this episode was filmed, no new shots of the shuttlecraft miniature were ever taken again. So every shuttlecraft shot used in this show was... This episode was used throughout the rest of the series, Wow! (laughs) but now if you watch on Netflix, you won't see that because they use, I
1: was so sad. I would have rather they had the original crappy one than what they had on Netflix.
0: Well, if you if you have CBS, all access for some reason, CBS only has rights to the original version. Okay. So you can see it on there if you did that. Um, so the producers, um, so much like the performance of the guy who played Boma, the African-American guy who was a dick to Spock who I thought was actually very good in the episode. Um, They wanted to bring him back, but he was assigned to another TV show, so he couldn't come back. So that's why we didn't see him again, because he didn't die in the episode, surprisingly. Um, And contrary to the Star Trek trend, all the deaths in this episode are gold-shirted crew members, not red shirts. So that's that's important. (laughs) Uh, And in the book... uh, called dreadnought they expand on boma lieutenant boma and say that he under this command he got so pissed off at spock they became an alien hating bigot and scotty had to push to get him court martialed to get him out of out of starfleet (laughs) so that's just a little factoid. so what do you think of this episode steve uh
1: so this is not my favorite episode in that it's not the most interesting villain it's not the most compelling storyline but i think that this is my favorite episode in that. I think it's the best maybe acted.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I felt
1: better, maybe emotional connection with the characters. Uh, Because all the things I liked are are sort of around center theme. Where like, you get to see Spock without Kirk. Right. Which is obviously the point of the episode, but I think they succeeded. Uh, Bones allegiance tested. And you really got to see DeForest Kelly range out a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you get nice to see Kirk have some of the answers to, and it's interesting to see his dynamic and domain change a little bit. Yeah. So I think everyone got to push outside of their normal shtick, and it was nice to see everyone kind of do it in one episode.
0: Probably because Shatner's not able to chew up the scenery and they can't, they can actually act a little bit. (laughs) Um, The thing I maybe disliked is
1: there wasn't enough action on the planet and it was almost like they didn't know how to write a plot, not about Kirk. Hmm, And they were like, ah, oh, crap, we got to figure this out for off weeks
0: <laughs> when he can't be in the whole <laughs> episode.
1: Right, right. So this just felt like maybe a poor experiment in their first attempt at like, oh no, this week, it needs to be a, a not Kirk episode.
0: I see. And there was action on the planet. It's just a matter of there was, but
1: there was a lot of like them on the floor of that shuttle craft while it jiggled like a lot. <laughs> mm hmm. There was too much counterplay with the um, with the ape men, but it was also indirect. It just, it all felt very stretched.
0: I wonder if part of that was affected by, I read in the trivia as well, that the person who created the ape faces, the uh-huh. faces were so scary that the sensor said they couldn't show them directly or very close up. So they might've yeah, had they to like, didn't. C- they might've had to cut a lot of shots for that. Okay.
1: Um, well, that might explain it somewhat. So it was just weird. Yeah. And there was a weird wipe when they, when he went down into the pit and it was foggy Mm -hmm. with a crewman and it pulled up because clearly they had a dead body there and the sensors went, you can't show it.
0: Uh, That was in the trivia as well. Actually, they, they cut that shot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they had to, like, it it was just, but it was so visible that that's what happened.
0: I didn't even notice.
1: (laughs) It was so gross. I actually rewound it. Went, Whoa, what just happened?
0: (laughs) That's the guy that got like impaled. I think so yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um so maybe there just wasn't enough B plot
0: to have the B plot run it. Makes sense. What well, do you think this is kind of a middle of the road then?
1: This is probably more top of my pile as I said this really was I probably think the best acted episode so far. So because of that it, it deserves the top spot I think. Nice.
0: I can appreciate Even that. if the
1: rest is maybe not as lack, you know, a little lacklustre.
0: Yeah, I could totally agree with that. I love having Bones and Spock getting a chance to, like, flex their muscles a bit and acting wise.
1: Yeah, not be just Kirk. <laughs> the Kirk show. The Kirk show. <laughs> uh, well, German, I've got some, I've got a great Trek connection this week. I'm excited. Okay, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Twiggy got married to an actor named Michael Whitney in 1977 until he died in 1983 uh, Whitney appeared on season two episode of the original series, "A Private Little War." Oh, that's right. And he was a kind of successful actor, mostly in like westerns and that kind of stuff.
0: Well, we'll finally get to that episode at some point. yeah eventually we will. And we'll talk about uh, Twiggy,
1: <laughs> but that was the that was the only connection I could find.
0: <laughs> and then you can use that connection again when we get to that episode.
1: <laughs> oh yes, I will, and everyone will have forgotten. <laughs>
0: Perfect even us um well we have some similarities from these two episodes ooh. uh i put down that a kermit says to the phantom of the muppet show you must have a logical explanation for being here then he finds out that there is not and that freaks him out just how when spock thinks he can logically oh, figure out these wild creatures and then he's freaked out that they don't act logically
1: that is such a good one i can't believe i didn't catch that but you're right <laughs> i liked it there must be a logical explanation for if there is something to me at my left yeah Holy crap. Uh, Both feature a fearsome creature stalking the main characters. That is very true. The weird ape things in the original series and the phantom in the Muppet Show.
0: I literally put both episodes have a monster stalking people throughout the episode. (laughs) That's what Uh, I put. (laughs) uh,
1: My other similarity is Fozzie and Gonzo are in charge of opening the show, which isn't usual, just like Spock is in charge this episode, which also isn't usual.
0: That's perfect. That makes a lot of sense. Might as well be the same show. I mean, it really is I'm being so lazy here. <laughs> yeah. Thank God we're helping them. Oh, what is oh, that? No, it's what's it's that? I don't know. It's so weird. Transporter malfunction. <laughs> so now we're doing a transporter malfunction where we transport uh, one or two characters from one show to the other show to take the place of those characters. So what have you got this time around, Steve?
1: So this week uh, for Coming uh, from the Muppets, Uncle Deadly comes over and replaces Lieutenant Boma Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and just grandiosely questions all of Spock's moves. (laughs) Where are you coming, Captain? (laughs) It is your job to bury the dead.
0: (laughs) Must you be so logical? (laughs) Oh, is that your plan? (laughs) Uh, I put that specialist Boma and the commissioner guy on the ship could replace Statler and Waldorf because they're both a couple of sour grapes grumps and they'd fit in perfectly as some angry hecklers.
1: (laughs) I agree with that. Uh, One of the giant ape men comes over and becomes the Phantom of the Muppet theater. (laughs) The Muppets continuously being impaled throughout the episode.
0: (laughs) Totally different kind of show.
1: And then get lost in the fog that just suddenly takes the bottom half of the screen. (laughs) Seriously, watch the moment. It's so weird.
0: I need to watch that again um I had the, I want the dancing boa muppets from the weird psychedelic dance sequence. Oh, with hell the, yeah. The scary mouths. They're going to replace the primitive <laughs> monsters on the Star Trek episode.
1: Oh, dude, that'd be a different freaky kind of episode.
0: Yeah, because they'd be like floating around and their wiggly arms and their weird teeth, and it's just terrifying. Ugh.
1: <laughs> it was so, already terrifying. Now it's awful.
0: Yeah, but somehow endearing. um So that brings us to the end of episode 16 of the Muppet Trek podcast. <laughs>
1: Join us next time for episode 17 of The Muppet Show with special guest Valerie Harper.
0: And original series episode, The Squire of Gothos.
1: So, from the lovers, the dreamers, and us.
0: Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by a play on nerds.